Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. I know how I'm doing. How are you yeah. doing? Oh, I'm sonorous, mellifluous. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing great. I must the listener must think I'd sound uh ten times better. You know, it's because I I took my probiotic this morning. I meditated sure. this morning and my voice just sounds better. That's what the, the, that's what happens. Um, I'm not enjoying this, this little bit <laughs> that you're doing. Yeah, no, we had some mic issues. So, uh, yeah. uh, but that's neither here nor there as you can tell, hopefully can tell by the, uh, seasonally appropriate uh theme music that i hope i remember to put at the top of this episode yeah. uh this is our annual christmas episode but first i want to tell you about a sponsor called tweakedaudio.com tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors they look great they sound great tyler and i use them each and every day of our lives i'm using one mine right now they're not that colorful these are black but i think they're still very stylish yeah um, very stealth yeah, exactly. And uh, today, you know, in keeping with the Christmas spirit, I normally I use, I'm putting in keeping with the Christmas spirit in, in sarcasm brackets here. Uh, normally I use this little ad read to, to shine some light on an album that I've been listening to uh, that I like, but uh, I might as well get out my, 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 my Grinch, uh, put on my Grinch hat and talk about that for, for months I've had penciled into the number the bottom spot worst album of the year the the cold play music of the spears, spears album today in a, in a last minute bid to, uh, to to unseat them tom morello released his second album of the year um it's called the atlas flood underground or something and it is just the epitome of uh rock star disappearing up his own ass it's got like so many guest stars on it it's over it is produced to the point of uh not even sounding like rock music anymore uh it's uh it's it's the most embarrassing album i've heard this year so but bonus i did listen to it on my tweetardio.com earbuds so it sounded a little better those are available at tweakedaudio.com for a low, low price. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Maybe it's actually best not to listen to the episode to, to the the album that way. Uh, maybe the more you know muffled or tinny it is, uh, right. maybe it'll uh, get better, crystal clear. You know, it's like uh, high def photography. It's not everybody's friend. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, like I said, it's our it's our Christmas episode, and um, that means we are going to uh talk about christmas movies and you and i tyler we were racking our brains you know we've been doing this show for so fucking long mm -hmm. <laughs> like have we covered everything about christmas movies and then our old friend mariah posted a, a letterbox list for about christmas noir and i was like great that's an episode hopefully yeah. she'll be down for it and hopefully 
it won't be five hours long, which is uh, <laughs> Mariah still holds the record for our longest episode ever for the Westerns episode, which is not a complaint. That was a ton of fun uh, for us and the listener. But uh, please welcome back to the show, Mariah E. Gates. Hey, it's so great, great to be here. Um, and especially talking about two of my favorite things combined, noir and Christmas. It's like, it's a dream come true. Sorry, uh, can you hear me? <laughs> now yeah. I'm, the one, I'm the one having audio issues all of a sudden. Um, it's cursed. Okay. Hmm? All right. Sorry. Uh, okay. I, I, I'm I, I'm good. Uh, I might uh, edit, edit this part out. Um, uh, okay. So yeah, Christmas and noir. So yeah, you, you uh, Mariah, you hold the title of being the the sort of uh, uh, godmother of noir vember, right? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, when the first year in November, it was just me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, last, my yeah. parents dog <laughs> last year, noir, November, 2020, we did a, um, um, a November episode without you, which is how we ended up saying, well, let's do a Westerns episode, but now we get to do a noir episode with, with Mariah. Uh, first, but first off, um, how are you, uh, how are you enjoying the, the holiday season so far? So far, so good. I went to a Christmas market yesterday here in Chicago. I'm visiting and um, I was cold and I had hot chocolate. So it worked out nicely. Um, mm. I bought like a German carved thing that I think is maybe a Moomin, but it was unclear. It was one of those animal. It was not quite an animal. It's not quite a creature. It's unclear what it's supposed to be. <laughs> And I almost didn't buy it. And then we went to get the hot chocolate and I was like, I think we have to go back and buy this creature. I don't know what it is. It's hand carved. <laughs> Maybe it's a demon from this person's soul. I don't know. Um, so then it was a good Christmas fair. Sounds uh, lovely. Yeah, it, uh, it, it, it does. I'm, uh, I'm enjoying my very, um, very Los Angeles Christmas as we, we were talking about before we, we recorded it's uh, it's it's hit 58 degrees in Los Angeles so you know it is uh, it is chilly it is winter time <laughs> here in Los Angeles my my toes are frozen um, because when people build apartment buildings in Los Angeles they don't seem to have been thinking about insulation <laughs> that's the thing nobody believes when you're in LA and you complain about being cold everyone's like try being in the snow and it's like you do you have insulation on your house yeah Okay, yeah. then shut up, you know, like you don't even know. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I uh, for Thanksgiving, I, Jen and I were uh, back with her parents uh, in Minnesota. And uh, the day we left, uh, it was six. It was six degrees in Minnesota. It had been a long time since I felt that much cold. And I realized, and it was like 72 in, Cal in Los Angeles. And it's like, we are flying... I mean, yes, it's several hours, but that's a 66 degree difference. That's insane. And I was, it feels immoral. I was checking the weather in my hometown just because I was curious. And um, I think tomorrow it's supposed to go from a high of 66 to a low overnight of 10. Oh, my in one town. And I'm like, this is why I don't live there anymore. I can't, I could never dress. I was, you have to wear so many layers. The weather can never decide if it wants to be hot or like frozen to the ground and <laughs> make up your mind. Yeah, I do. Oh, David, sorry. Did you have something to say? 
Oh, no, I was going to do the uh, transition into the episode. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. <laughs> I'll let you do that. Uh, well, I don't have a, a, a clever one or, you know, let's say I did have a clever one and you ruined it. Let's, let's oh, okay. pretend that's what it is. Speaking, um, <laughs> speaking of, uh, of cold, you know, there's, uh, uh, in the movie out of the past, uh, Robert Mitchum describes a woman is awfully cold around the heart and that movie's a noir. Yeah. Like, I think You're cold welcome. hearts, uh, yeah, there you go. Cold hearts <laughs> are, uh, are, are a common, uh, feature of, of, of noir films. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about, uh, Christmas noir. Um, and I'm, I've got in, in front of me, I have your, your letterboxed list, uh, Mariah, but I, I want you to, to, to take us through it. And, and also why some of these are considered noir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, so the list has 40 films on it and I will say that there are six that I haven't seen, but, um, they're like, I keep meaning to get to these and haven't, uh, movies, but it's always nice to have something to look forward to. So I know I have at least six Christmas related noir films I haven't seen, but, um, some of them are a little less noir and a little more like if a noir character fell into a Christmas movie. So that's like, holiday affair holiday affair is a straight up romantic comedy but it does feel like robert mitchum walked off the set of out of the past and found himself wrapping presents with janet lee you know um and actually to to production wise that is almost literally what happened they um famously mitchum was arrested for smoking dope and they were trying to clean up his image and so they made him make this romantic comedy with janet lee and he is effervescent like he is so like they have such chemistry he's so charming he's so good with the little kid you're like wow robert mitchum could literally do anything he can be like the grisliest murderer in um the other film of his that's on here um um night of the hunter right or he can actually be like a charming wonderful um wholesome man it's like he, he can do both Remind me of the name of the, the one with Janet Lee again. It's called Holiday Affair. I think it's from 47, maybe. Okay. 48. It's, it's oh, one yes. of my all-time favorite Christmas movies, but it's definitely one that hasn't been... Um, like, when I worked at TCM, I was always trying to make it a canonical classic, and I found out that one of the programmers was also like her goal was to make it a canonical classic. And I was like, okay, we're going to team up and <laughs> make it. Um, I still don't know that it's quite a canonical classic, but in Los Angeles, the Los Feliz three is, has it programmed twice at the end of the month. So we're getting there. Um, yeah. I'm really enjoying the, the Los Feliz three now that it's uh, American Cinematheque. Um, but uh, how, do, do, do you, do, do you want to just bounce around here or, or? Um, yeah, I was. I was unsure how you guys wanted to like yeah, cover the list. I have it in chronological order. I guess so we can. Yeah, that's my default too. But I, 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 a number of these, like I either like I never really thought of Meet John Doe as a as a noir. Yeah, that was one where I found it on a couple of other noir lists, and it was more in the like um, political noir where it's not okay. quite yeah there's certain like subgenres of noir where it's sort of just toe dips into noir and i do think that some of the dirty politics that um and dirty journalism that's going on in that wades into noir waters but again it is definitely one of the less like 
less noir, more Christmas <laughs> than. Yeah. Uh, although I guess the way in which it's Christmas that John Doe little, is going to publicly commit suicide on Christmas day. But I think, uh, to, I, I don't know. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not an academic. Uh, so I don't I'm not always sure what the, uh, the, the textbook definition of, of, of noir is, but I feel like, yeah, there's a lot of dirty politics and dirty journalism as, as, as you mentioned, but like, uh, Gary Cooper's character, uh, himself, like sort of remains pure. Like yeah. he is uncorrupted. And I feel like one of the things I look for in noir is the main character becoming corrupted. Absolutely. And, and so that goes to the kind of the key, uh, reason for this this list is is to sort of act as like a bridge between Noir Vember and Christmas. So if you're like instead of like coming out of Noir Vember and going straight into like you know Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street or something and, and having the shakes, um, you can sort of dip into some of these movies that aren't quite Noir but they yeah. are a little bleak. Um, well, I think at this rate, the- if if we do go film by film, we're going to end up being here forever. Not quite yeah. as long as the Western stuff. Yeah, so yeah. We should, we, we should jump around. Because the other thing that left out of me looking at this list, uh, among the, there's most of these I haven't seen. But among the ones I have seen, there are movies that I haven't seen in so long that I don't remember the Christmas element of them. Now, Tyler is an even bigger fan of Scarlet Street than I am and has seen it more recently, but I was, but I love Scarlet oh. Street, but I was like, Oh, is that set at Christmas? It's, I, it's I literally forget. just the ending of Scarlet Street yes. when he is like a um, broken man at the end, he's walking down yeah. the street, looking at the portrait and it's clearly Christmas. I forget if he's you know, like completely homeless or if he's uh, like, living in that in that crappy apartment it seems that he's living on a bench i think at right. the end of okay. it is that is he still um, hearing jeepers least, johnny in his head or is that after uh, it's after jeepers johnny yeah it's after that at the very least he's at that on that day sleeping on a bench it's hard to what say if, where he's going when they kick him off the bench but one um, of the most uh, i showed the film to my students uh this this uh, semester uh this was a uh, high school freshman getting college credit uh, and, uh, you know, I wanted to show a, a, a noir and and I picked Scarlet Street, which is probably in many ways one of the like more the more perverse ones in some ways. Um, if for no other reason than just like what what a strange nickname Lazy Legs is. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, but I don't think I want to. And when Dan Durius says it, saying it like all the more so. Um. And then the other one that it's, it's been even longer since I've seen speaking. Oh yeah. Off, uh, before we started recording, um, cause Mariah, you are currently in Chicago and we were, I was reminiscing about cause Tyler and I used to live in Chicago. Um, and we were talking about the Gene Siskel film center and at the Gene back in probably 2001 at the Gene Siskel film center before this movie was available in any home video, uh, uh or, or at least on DVD. Um, uh, I saw Max Ophel's the reckless moment. Yeah. Now that was that was twenty years ago, and that's the last time I've seen it. So that's another one that I'm trying to remember. What what is the Christmas part of it's, the reckless it's, moment? It's set um, towards the end of the year as Christmas is approaching. Okay. Um, so a lot of these, I always find it fascinating that quite quite a few of these noirs, Christmas isn't it's not a Christmas movie in that the Christmas is like what's pushing the story forward, right? It just happens to be set kind of like Carol, like Carol's a Christmas movie, not yeah. a noir, but Carol's a Christmas movie in that it's set around Christmas and they meet 
buying a toy or, you know, looking for a toy, but in terms of Christmas being like, they have to make it together by Christmas or whatever, like that's not what's happening in Carol. Right. And, and I think he gets some of that from these, these noirs that, um, just happened to set it at Christmas. Um, one of my favorites on here, I actually watched for the first time this noir member is called, I wouldn't be in your shoes. And, um, it's an adaptation of a Colonel Woolrich like novella, and um, the novella is not set at Christmas, but they, I think, thought they could get more money if they said it really it's a Christmas movie, but also a little bleak. And it's um, it's about this couple who are dancers and they can't make money like dancing professionally anymore. So she's like a taxi dancer, you know, 10 cents a dance kind of style. And he's just always looking for work and has to have these like special dance shoes. And one night there's like, yowling cats and he throws them at the cats and then he goes out to find his shoes the next day he can't find them um and then or that night he can't find them and then the next day someone has returned the shoes and also he happens to find a wallet with a bunch of old money in it like old style money and they and they wait a couple of days before they start spending the money it's christmas so they want to get stuff and um you discover or no, it's September. It's I'm totally messed this up. It's a frame narrative. It's about to be Christmas. He's dying. He's looking back. You okay. find out this is what happened. Totally messed up the how this happened. So you're this all happens. He's in jail. He's gonna die. It's it's the week before between Christmas and New Year's, or like two weeks in between the end of the year, and you're like, he's gonna die on the first very bleak way to spend the last few year, weeks of the year. And but yeah. she's she knows he didn't kill the man who they, the police think these old bills came from. He like found this wallet. Right. Um, and the rest of the movie is them figuring out like, how did they end up with this wallet who actually murdered the old man? Um, but it, it's, it's bleak because they get to do this like spending spree in like September. Right. Which leads to him being imprisoned, which leads to the bleakest Christmas ever, where she's like wandering these like beautiful Christmas streets, looking at presents and happy children, but she's just thinking about how her husband's on death row. It's it's really wonderful, um, but in like a bleak way. It's, it's that reminds one. me, um, th- uh, the song, the song "My Favorite Things," which comes up around Christmas a lot, mm-hmm. is has been completely tarnished for me by "Dancer in the Dark." Um, because she sings my favorite things while she's waiting to be executed uh, in, in, in prison. So that's another uh, uh, bleak execution <laughs> association I have with Christmas time. It's, it's, you know, it's one of those. Um, another one I watched this year was called, um, what had, had a similar, like, randomly set at Christmas was called, was it Roadblock? It's okay. roadblock. Yeah, um, I see roadblock here with uh Yeah, with Charles McGraw. So he's just John like Dixon. Yeah, he's just this like guy who he's like an insurance investigator and he ends up both falling in love with a woman and thinking about how he can't afford the woman and thinking, well, maybe he can like pull one over. It's it's a, aspects of double indemnity, obviously there. But um, they said it right at Christmas. She at one point, she's like sitting like alone at a bar and she realizes that she doesn't even care if this man has no money. She's going to marry him anyways. But he's already made this deal to like, you know, cheat his own the own bank that he does stuff for. And if he had just waited a beat, they could have been maybe happy together, you know, like poor, but happy together. Um, And instead, it just, you know 
as everything happens in noir, everything falls apart. And, but they get, they, you know, they get one nice little sad Christmas together before everything falls apart. Now, um, uh, oh, go ahead. I wanted to, to sort of uh, broaden the, the topic a little bit um, or at least sort of a, the, the, the conversation. Um, so I think it was last year or the year before that our Christmas episode was like dark Christmas movies that could be like sad. It could, we could incorporate horror. Um, well, I think I, last, okay, no. Yeah. Two years ago, it was horror Christmas movies because right. our Christmas episode was episode 666. Oh, that's, that's of good. The podcast. <laughs> yeah. Writes itself. Um, yeah. So I don't remember. Did we do one about like, like particularly like sad Christmas movies or I don't remember if we, if, if we did or not, it's something we just talked about, but either way, yeah. um, so by and large, I think people is similar to when they talk about, you know, Christmas horror. I imagine a lot of people will be like, how, how on earth could you ever make noir fit with Christmas? And I do think the concept of it is so interesting because noir at the, at whether the filmmaker is trying to make a comment about like America and like the, the system of, of, capitalism and stuff whether they're trying to make that uh, comment or not like there's a that's a big element of noir this is the idea of the american dream and you know hey when you think of especially uh when you're thinking of like the 30s and 40s and you're kind of having this nor you're picturing this norman rockwell kind of thing um you picture like ah yes the family you know you're living you're you're gathered around the christmas tree exchanging gifts listening to carols uh and so that very idyllic image of Christmas, I think, is like an extension, uh, especially in the United States, or I guess it's maybe exclusively, is seen as like a, a almost a, a perfect image of the American dream in action. Uh, yeah. To say to say nothing of you know shopping and stuff, uh, and so I think that the two go together really well. Um, it's it's noir is always looking at the dark side of the American dream. And here it's looking at the dark side of, of Christmas. And there's yeah, just a natural and, like cynicism to that. Yes. Juxtaposition. And one of the best ones that really hits that on the head is, is blast of silence, which um, I keep waiting for criterion to put out on Blu-ray. I, I keep not buying it because they've only done a DVD. Um, and I really want it on Blu-ray, but it's from 1961 and it's about a hitman who comes from, Ooh. from Cleveland to New York to do a job, but it's a couple days before Christmas and he's a little early. And so he spends quite a bit of the film kind of walking around and they, they shoot it in on location in New York during Christmas. Mm. And so you get this beautiful sort of mid-century, you know, Ouija style New York, um, this hitman, he, he, he's really cynical. He's looking at all the, um, all the shoppers, all the excess and, and the narration is just him. Like, not, I guess silently cause it's inside his head, but just judging the heck out of, <laughs> out of the end of the year and the way that, um, capitalism has convinced people that like spend, 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 spend is the way to go, you know, ring out the, the new year. And, um, it's really, really bleak. It's, it's wonderfully bleak film. And for anybody who, you know, I love the bright cheeriness of Christmas, but the capitalism of it all, especially when you hear about people being trampled on black Friday, yeah. kind of the older I get, the more I'm just like, Oh God. Um, this movie really is for anybody who, who 
is a prefers to give like handmade gifts or something. And then the, the thought is the thing, not the, how much did you spend? Like, this is a movie for you. Um, and the performance of the lead guy, um, I want to, I, <laughs> I like the idea. The of, let's let's, the let's throw on, let's throw on blast of silence and have a little crafting party. That sounds like <laughs> I <a> mean, <laughs> <laughs> it would be good. I feel like it would work. Um, but it also like, just in terms of movies that look really cold, for anyone who's like very cold on their own Christmas, uh, this is a cold looking movie. I know a lot of Christmas movies make winter look really warm and glowing yeah. and you're by the fire. And, you know, this man looks cold. He has got his coat like pulled tight. He's freezing walking up and down Manhattan. Uh, it'll make you feel cold. Um, and I know that uh, I don't remember if we decided how we're going to go, go through these, but uh, I think we're just, just dancing around. Okay. Uh, Cause yeah. On your on your list here is Batman Returns. Speaking of movies that just look, oh yeah, very cold. Yeah, it's uh, a cold movie. Really <laughs> um, and you know, instinctively, I don't think I would immediately think of Batman Returns as noir. And then it's just like, well, well why not? Why would I not think it's... of it that way? Like we're dealing with some pretty pretty rough uh, characters and storylines, and it is considering even how it starts with the uh, abandonment and essentially would be death sentence of a uh, deformed child or a malformed child, whatever you want to say. Uh, yeah, that's it. Definitely. Not only is what I consider it noir, it's one of the darker noirs. I can, think it, of. it really is like a pitch bleak noir. And, 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 and I actually wrote an article about Batman noir um, at the beginning of November, sort of looking at its roots because it, it, the original comic, uh, strips were inspired by the crime, like dime, the same crime novels that inspired the noir films. Um, so it really, and it was darker for the first, um, I already forgot the research I did, but for the first few runs, it was like bleak. And then maybe a decade in or so, they sort of made it a little more of the like pop mm. version that we know now. Like they got rid of um, Batman used to have a gun. Mm -hmm. Like he was, he was packing heat and they were like, wait, this is for kids. We got to get rid of this. Um, and I do think that one thing I, I like about uh, Burton's two Batman movies is I, th I think he really leans into that darker aspect of, of Batman. And, and then, you know, like just some of the Christmas imagery in this one with what happens to Catwoman and her transformation mm -hmm. is, is just visually really really fun and um in it but in a sad like in a sad way because uh, you shouldn't love catwoman but you can't help but love michelle pfeiffer's catwoman you know yeah. oh yeah one of my go-to like internet videos i can watch to cheer me up is that video of michelle pfeiffer like whipping, whipping all the all four of the mannequin heads off yeah and getting it all in one take and as soon as burton says cut the entire crew like cheers for her. yeah, yeah. I, that, that'll bring a smile to my face anytime her her Catwoman is a great femme fatale. She really gets yeah. what is delicious about a, a woman who's a, just bad enough that you're like, maybe I shouldn't mix with her. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but you also see you're a little tempted, you know. Oh yeah, you definitely get the appeal. Um, sorry, did, did Tyler, do you have more? Is that more to say about Batman Returns? Oh uh, no, not necessarily. Um, as as I'm looking at the list here, uh. I, I have an appreciation for uh, I, I, it's such a cliche thing to say, but like thinking outside the box, like trying to like expand definitions of noir and trying to like 
be as inclusive as possible. Like, <laughs> hey, this, okay. The ending takes place at Christmas done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, in fact, but I will say, uh, you know, a bit of controversy. There is, there are a lot of, I haven't seen a lot of these movies, so there's that, but, um, but there is one film that I'm, I'm reluctant to say is noir. It's undeniably Christmas, uh, at least parts of it. Uh, I don't, I, I feel like the thin man, well, oh, okay. Yeah. The Thin Man is not noir. Okay, that is, okay. I agree. I agree. I added the Thin Man because it is what a lot of people like to call proto noir. It is very much a sure. pre-code. It's like the last of the pre-codes. Um, it's sort of a proto noir in that it has certain elements. Mm -hmm. And then obviously it was written uh, by Dashiell Hammett. And so it's got those, those roots. And I think the only reason that the Thin Man and the whole Thin Man series ends up being more lighthearted mm -hmm. than the other adaptations, other than the source material itself is more of a comedy. It's the most comical of I, that I've read of, of his work. But um, because it was adapted when the books came out and yeah. this was the style of films at the time, whereas most of the other noir that are are considered noir were adapted 10 to 15 years later. Right. So like there's another version of the Maltese Falcon that feels far less noir yeah. and far more sort of like a racy, is that, a racy uh, gangster picture. The metal lady. Is that what it's? That, no, that's oh, actually, that's, a that's the second version. There's a, right. the first version is um, uh, Cortez. I'm forgetting his first name. Yeah. Something Cortez. Um, and he's sleazy. He's the sleaziest sleaziest detective you'll ever see in a movie it's, it's gross um but so i mostly the thin man's there on the christmas side of things um a lot of people watch it on new year's because it has both christmas yeah. and new year's in it um and it's sort of like i just you know people who like noir maybe they'll like it too i don't know yeah and, <laughs> and reading that book is really is really interesting as well because while it is more comical uh when you read it like nick charles while certainly charming, I do not picture William uh, Powell. William Powell. No, not what, at all. What they do with him, and I feel like it's it's a little bit inspired, actually, that casting. But uh, sorry, we yeah. need to move faster than yeah. The and and remember, that. the night is also one that's definitely not mm. noir, um, but it has those darker elements. It's it's about a woman who who does petty theft on Christmas Eve, and they don't want to leave her in jail overnight by herself. So he takes her home. Um, and then they, you know, they kind of fall in love a little bit cause it's Christmas magic. And, but like her, her, I think it's her mom, like thinks she's useless and hates her. Like he's going to take her to her mom's and her mom is like, I don't want her. And so she ends up going home with him to his aunt and, and mm -hmm. seeing what a family that like actually has some love in it could maybe turn you into a better person. It has some nature versus nurture, things to say, I guess, but, um, it's bleak in that, you know, you think of Christmas being a family time, but like, what if your family doesn't want you or what if you don't have a family? Yeah. What does family mean? Can you can finding some being joining someone else's family help heal you? Or will you always be stealing, you know, watches? I don't know. Uh, remember, like remember the night tries to make you think that maybe Christmas magic can help heal you. Hmm. Uh, well, remember the night. You mentioned night of the hunter. 
and remember night of the, the night. hunter yeah but uh there's also they live by night they uh, live by night this is a thing we talked about with josh fadem in our noir episode in, in 2020 about how certain like certain words pop up over and over again in noir uh titles but, but they live by night is a movie that i have seen i actually weirdly saw it for the first time at the during the first tcm at home uh fest in in april of, of, of 2020 i think is when i watched uh they live by night and that definitely so that's recent enough in my memory that i remember the christmas stuff i remember what's her name smashing all the ornaments yeah it gets it's another one that where the emotions are running really high at christmas and you know obviously their whole they're they're on the this young lovers on the run it's it's probably my favorite young lovers on the run movie that one and and gun crazy and crazy yeah Mm -hmm. Um, but also there's so much there's so much power to the idea of there there's so much the iconography of christmas suggests so much and like so her shattering christmas ornaments is it's it's it goes another level behind you know if she were just shattering like dishes or whatever yeah, that would be like exactly. it would still be angry and, and 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 visceral but this it represents a whole other thing um it reminds me this is not a noir but um uh, the movie leave no trace um mm, where yes. when he gets a job on a christmas tree farm and it's uh it's like really really just highlights how sad and lonely this man is that he's like has no connection to this thing that represents warmth and togetherness and family for for so many people uh but anyway back to back to noir um okay so yeah a lot of these have been talking about like oh there's a little bit of noir here there's a little bit of christmas here the one that seems almost like if it didn't exist we would have had to invent it for this episode based on the poster because yeah. I haven't seen this movie, is 1947's Christmas Eve, which literally That's has one... like a couple kissing under the mistletoe, but also someone with a cigarette dangling from the mouth pointing a, a gun at the viewer here. Yeah, it's like, it's, it That's seems like one... we made it up. That's one that I still, believe it or not, I keep meaning to see it and I still haven't seen it. It's George Raft. Yeah. I believe it's um, it's based on a, on, a, on a book or a, a short story and but it's one that has like separate, it's like a private detective and there's separate a couple of different stories going on, which is why the poster has all these different things. Right. Um, but it ends on Christmas Eve and everyone comes together on Christmas Eve. And I think like holiday affair, that is one where the poster makes it look darker than it actually is. Oh, okay. um, because there's a couple of like holiday affair posters where it looks like he's about to slap Janet Lee and that never happens. Um, so I, I haven't seen it. So I don't know if it is as dark as yeah. the poster makes it look, but based on the plot synopsis, I think it, they're trying to do bait and switch <laughs> and make you think you're going to see a George Raft, like crime movie. And yeah. instead you're getting like a wholesome or a love, actually. <laughs> Christmas uh, Eve movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, apparently it's streaming on the criterion channel. So, um, Oh, is it? You, yeah. That's what, uh, that's what just watch.com says. Blame them if it's wrong. Um, let's see. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what it, it might be. It, um, so we, if it is, we can all find out for ourselves. Um, oh my god, it is on the Criterion Channel right now. That's great. I've never seen it. This is great. We love the Criterion Channel. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. I can check um, it off my list this year finally. Uh, the, to go back to some Tyler said, this your, your list is making me think of things like not necessarily things I hadn't thought of as Christmas movies, but things I hadn't thought of as noir and realizing they are, or I still mm-hmm. not sold on meat John Doe, but, uh, um, yeah. I had never really, 
thought of eyes wide shut as noir but it absolutely uh fits this this sort of like uh every man who thinks he understands life being sort of like dragged down into the underbelly yeah yeah i definitely think i mean eyes wide shut straddles like seven different genres really um but in terms of like someone who gets in over their head and it keeps going deeper and people seem to be dying around them because of the choice they made i would say seems to me because if you've seen the movie it's it's never revealed whether that's what's happening um they leave it up to you to decide um but uh i I think it fits in that uh and also you mean it ends in a place where like they're the couple's probably going to be okay but you don't actually know like did he get in so deep with this secret society that they're all including their kid who's going to get this giant panda for christmas they're all going to die you don't know yeah (laughs) yeah probably they probably actually (laughs) i think i need to start the a tradition of watching eyes wide shut every December. Um, I try but to it is two it. hours and 40 minutes long. So I, had to, I try to watch it on the time. big screen every December. If someone's showing it, they showed it at the Academy museum on Thanksgiving. Actually, I watched it on Thanksgiving. It was a great communal viewing, viewing experience. Oh, that sounds great. I I recommend it. I've only seen it in the theater once when it came out in 1999. Uh, and I know I've told this story in the podcast before, but I tell, I'm going to tell it again because, um, uh, it's a funny story. I, first off, you have to remember this was, I feel like you got to remember this was the sixties. That's like what people say in documentaries. You have to remember this was <laughs> shortly after Columbine, which means I got carded. Oh yeah. To, to And I wasn't 17. I used a friend of a friend's, um, uh, driver's license who, uh, looked like me in the face, but I was like, I hope that the guy doesn't look down and notice that this guy is fucking six, two or whatever. And I'm like, sure. But anyway, that's not the story. The story is I had to use a fake ID to the only time I ever used a fake ID in my life was to get into eyes wide shut. Uh, and I'm sitting with my friend Mark on the left and, and, and to the right of me is an elderly couple. Um, and, uh, the movie ends and everyone's like standing up and gathering the things. And, uh, I, I'm sure everyone here remembers what the last line of as wide shut is, which is, uh, Nicole yes. Kidman says, you know, you know, what we have to do now what and she says, fuck. And so we're standing up, getting out and the elderly man next to me says, what was that last thing she said? Oh no. <laughs> and so I paused and I was like, look. I'm a big man. I'm using a fake ID. I better like walk the walk. So I just said, fuck. And he goes, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, I love that story. I hadn't heard that story before. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the last time I saw it in the, in the, in the theater. Um, one movie I want to point out uh, in case we don't get to everything is um, cause it, on, on paper, it it looks like, it might be a musical, but it's not, is uh, Robert, Robert Sietta Max Christmas Holiday. It's It stars Deanna Durbin and Gene Kelly. There is a song in it, but it is not a musical. It is a blink, dark adaptation of a Debbie Somerset Mon story um, novel about mm-hmm. a woman who gets, like an innocent woman, Deanna Durbin, obviously she's the innocent who gets pulled into this bad romance with a gambler who ends up killing a bookie who ends up pulling her deeper and deeper into this like seedy world of like torch singing and gamblers and the mob and they're in new Orleans. And it's like the bad part of new Orleans and um, her life has been completely ruined because she fell in love with the wrong man, which is like the most noir 
like one way or the other, like a, a man's life is ruined because he falls in love with the wrong woman. A woman's life is ruined because he falls in love with me wrong man that's 99% of noirs um Deanna Durbin it's one of her best performances because she actually gets to be a real person unlike a lot of her musicals where she feels a bit you know like high you know I don't even know the right word for how she was in musicals but you know it's very like fantastical characters in a lot of her musicals and she just gets to be this downbeat bleak mm-hmm. beaten by the world completely opposite with what you expect from Deanna Durbin. And then Gene Kelly on the other side of the spectrum, he gets to be, you know, this bleak, alcoholic, gambling, violent man. And, and, you know, Kelly is usually like he dances on air, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's the opposite of what you expect from either of them. Um, this one, I can't seem to find if it's streaming anywhere or not because if, I, if there's I anyone it, you sold a rental on uh to me at least it's it's this movie because that sounds it, fantastic it may not be i think i saw it on tcm tcm sometimes shows it um so your best bet is that and it, it might be available in some of the dark corners of the internet too oh yeah uh, you know oh, i know about those corners <laughs> you, Actually, you, you know you know a guy <laughs> part of the internet um but that's when um that I think on paper, if you just look at the name and the stars, you think it's a musical. And I'm sure a lot of people have accidentally watched it on TV, TCM thinking they were going to get a lighthearted movie. <laughs> and then it got one of the bleakest yeah. <laughs> Christmas set noirs ever. Um, a great tagline on the poster. Love was her crime. Love yeah. was her punishment. Yeah. That's a good one. That, um, that sounds, that's our, that sounds right. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm torn between. Okay, I want to. I want to keep. I think there's one left on this list that I have seen, but don't remember the Christmas part. Okay, okay. But that's probably my fault. Tyler will definitely remember because he's seen Mr. Arcaden. Technically, I've never actually seen Mr. Arcaden. I've only seen Confidential Report. Sure. Um, but yeah. I'm sure there's Christmas stuff in both of them. Even like the screenshot at, at Letterboxd is like has a Christmas tree in it. So there yeah, must be a they, lot more Christmas that I'm remembering. They went through, actually, I don't think so. They just went through every movie that has a Christmas scene and changed the backgrounds. I think uh, they just changed <laughs> Carol to have like a Christmas hat. And um, I, I actually have not seen so this in, in 10 years, but I believe at one point there is a large Christmas party that Mr. Is it uh, the Mr. Arkadin character puts on? Yeah. I'm sure you can tell us. Yeah, it's it's towards the beginning of the film. Okay, that's what I was thinking. It's not the big like crazy carnival scene. It's or it's earlier. Right. Yeah. So this is this is kind of a cheat in that it is a noir that has a scene of Christmas. Um, yeah. But uh, there's a couple of these like Scarlet Street. So <laughs> where I was like, well, you get to see a Christmas tree. That counts. I definitely wanted to bring up, and and I'm reluctant to talk at all because my internet has been a little shaky and I don't want to frustrate you guys. Um, (laughs) But, uh, you know, in talking about um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, obviously the the Christmas aspect is there. What I like, uh, because you were talking earlier about uh, the the, the Mitchum film where Mitchum like walks, is is a noir character who walks into a Christmas movie. Here, it's the opposite. It's George Bailey 
finds himself in uh, Pottersville. And essentially it's like, huh, if I never existed, the world turns into a noir hell. Yeah. Uh, and, and I always thought that was really interesting. I, what's so great about George Bailey. So first of all, it's a wonderful life is one of my top five all time favorite films, period. Doesn't mm. matter what time of year. Um, it just is. But what's lo- what's great about George Bailey is he throughout feels like a noir character. He's always a misfit. He never, he always feels like he's missing out on something in life. Right. He, he doesn't get to go work on, on cattle boats. He doesn't get to build skyscrapers. He doesn't get to do this. He doesn't get to do that. He's, he's bogged down with like the, the drudgery of American life. He's got a wife and kids and a business, blah, blah, blah. And it's all the things that the noir protagonists in a, in straight up noirs tend to, um, balk from or or stray from um glenn ford does this in like three or four different movies where he's a married man who ends up in you know with someone else and his life falls apart but he doesn't ever get tempted like he's got gloria graham as this character who could tempt him but he never goes for it because in the end he, he before he even has to have the angel tell him that he he this is a good life part of him already knows he just leans into despair. Right. And, and the thing with noir is, is the characters have already hit that point usually. And you, you catch them as they've hit despair and you spend the whole movie with them in despair. Instead you send the whole movie learning about this man. And you're like, why, why is he so upset? (laughs) Like his life's great. And, and it takes hitting, hitting truly rock bottom for him to realize that and to see like what it would be, without him and he's like oh wait wait a minute i was this was good stuff <laughs> even the stuff that was terrible like i was only looking at the terrible and not the good part of it and that's why i think this movie is it's just is so well crafted and but again once you hit pottersville it's like here is you're in like girls 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 you know <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah you're in um sweet smell of success or something you know it's it's great yeah, yeah often, it does seem oh. like in oh go ahead and Potter himself feels like a noir villain. Oh, the whole uh, time. Yeah. He's such like when he um he's like stamping every single person as as like front front line. Like he just <laughs> sent every single boy from um um Bedford Falls straight to die. Like he just yeah. straight up did it. He did not even care. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. Um yeah, often the it's in in noir films characters who are like George Bailey who have ambitions and those ambitions go unrealized that often curdles into like a condescension or or like a, it's a self-loathing disguised as like arrogant uh, Mm -hmm. arrogance, you know, like uh, I'm thinking of like uh, Fred McMurray and double indemnity who who clearly thinks he's better than (laughs) the the people around him. uh, But his, actual life doesn't play it out but um doesn't bear that out but uh george bailey never gives into that yeah and and the other thing that's that's so clever about the the script is um in a lot of noir when they hit that desperate place they turn to embezzlement embezzlement right and what george bailey is accused of is embezzling and it's literally like that is not even what happened like mr potter is the one that stole it spoiler alert for for (laughs) mr potter is so evil but he just goes along with like yeah of course he's an embezzler and it's like dang it this is the one character in the entire 40s who didn't actually do embezzling (laughs) let him be free (laughs) Um, so good 
Okay. What else do we, we, we should probably have um, an eye towards looking up. What are, what are some of the ones you absolutely need to want to? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one that I know a lot of people discovered, uh, in the last year, myself included, because it, it was on criterion channel, although I don't think it is anymore is the silent partner. And it, it was written on spec by Curtis Hansen, who obviously then did LA confidential, which is one mm. of the great neo-noirs, one of the great noirs, one of the great Christmas movies all rolled in one. Uh, the silent partner is Glenn, Glenn Gould. Oh my God. Elliot Gould, um, Canada. So there you go. <laughs> Elliot Gould. He's, he's playing, um, just this listless board teller at a bank inside of a mall. And he notices this like shifty mall Santa and finds in the trash, um, this is a holdup or something like that. And he realizes that the mall Santa was maybe about to rob them, but like, lost his opportunity. So being this clear noir protagonist, he slowly starts hiding money from the till in unnoticeable amounts, knowing this guy's going to come back and rob when the guy does come back. He just is cool as a cucumber, gives the guy the money, lets him go. And then reports that more money was stolen than actually was thinking he got away with it. But he did not count on the mall Santa being Christopher Plummer, a sociopath who loves to look up his own crimes in the newspaper. When the newspaper reports that double the money was stolen, he realizes what um, Elliot Gould did and now starts harassing him for the rest of the movie to get the rest of the money back and ruin his life. And that's the rest of the movie. It is, it is brutal. It is funny. Um, As always, Elliot Gould is incredibly stylish. Christopher Plummer is maybe the most terrifying he's ever been in a movie. He he <laughs> clearly loved being like being free to be totally despicable. Um, it's great. And you can really see how Curtis Hansen, like it just opened so many doors for him as a writer and director uh, doing it on spec. And it was filmed on location in Canada in a real mall. So Toronto's mm. probably reckon Torontoans, Frontians, I don't know. The Trontons, they'll probably recognize the locations. I don't know what the phrase is for that. People of Toronto. <laughs> Tor- Torontonians. I don't know. That sounds I'm, good. I'm going to look it up. That sounds um, so wonderful. That it's so good. Story. It's even better than I made it sound, frankly. Oh, man. It's really stunning. Uh, okay. I'm going to, uh, I, I want to go through some of these because there are a number of movies I haven't seen by directors that I like. So I'm going to start okay. calling out some movies. Um, we mentioned the Robert Siodmak movie, uh, William Dieterle's I'll be seeing you. Oh, okay. I'm glad you brought this one up because I love this movie so much. So it's about, um, a man who's suffering from PTSD, Joseph Cotton, who is, um, he's, he's been given a 10 day leave from Christmas to new year's to sort of go to a town and, and experience the joy of Christmas and try to reconnect with, with people. And he's staying at the Y and he meets Ginger Rogers who has been released from a prison where she was imprisoned for, um, um, uh, I think manslaughter. But if you watch it now with fresh eyes, you realize that she would have totally gotten off because the man who um, she shot was, was a, definitely going to rape her and she would have gotten off nowadays. But back then, um, much like Kitty Foyle. I don't know if you've seen Kitty Foyle. She, same thing happens in both those movies where a man tries to rape Ginger Rogers. She shoots them and then she has to go to prison and you're like, what? Um, but that's the whole me too thing. Um, so they meet each other. They have these secrets. He's not telling her that she, that he's got this, these issues from the war and she's not telling him that she's only out for a little bit to visit her family. Um, because of compassionate, you know, Christmas leave and they fall in love. And then, um, was it, uh, 
Shirley Temple like gets jealous. Shirley Temple's her little sister and she gets jealous and might ruin everything. And, and it's really just sort of about the healing power of, of making a human connection of finding uh, someone who, who gets you and, and being unafraid to share the darkest parts of yourself. And for both of them, the darkest parts of themselves really aren't that dark, but for 1944, right. a little it's dark. Very um, yeah. And it's about, you know, find, finding some hope in a really bleak time. Um, even though the bleak time for these two people happens to be the week of Christmas. Um, okay. Uh, more directors. Now, Robert Montgomery isn't a huge name, but he did make Ride the Pink Horse, and he also made a Christmas movie, apparently, called Lady in the Lake. Lady in the Lake is an adaptation of one of my favorite Raymond Chandler novels. It's all set during Christmas. Um, Audrey Totter's in it. And what's unique about it, and and somewhat, for some people, um, off-putting, is that the entire thing is filmed from the point of view of uh, Robert Montgomery as Philip Marlowe, as if his eyes are the camera. Mm. And so it gets a little nauseating. Mm. Um, especially the first time you watch it. Second time you watch it, it's a little less nauseating. You only see him if he's looking in a mirror. So everyone looks directly at the camera. You f- see him walking. It, it really is disorienting, disorienting the first time you see it. Um, but I also recommend looking up the making of photos so you can see the weird camera rig that Robert Montgomery like invented for it. Because it's, oh, wow. it's really like you look at it and you're like, what? Um but it's, it's about a, a string of murders. And as it sounds, one woman is found at the bottom of a lake and it's like trying to solve this murder and also celebrate Christmas at the same time. <laughs> Christmas is coming. We have to solve this murder. Um, All right. Um, it's oh, great. Uh, yeah. So this one's not streaming anywhere, sadly, uh, but I, cause I feel like I need to see it. The great Raul Walsh and the great Ida Lupino teamed up for the man. I uh, love the man. I love. Okay. Yeah, the man I love is she's a torch singer. It's it's got a similar sort of vibe to um, Christmas Holiday, actually, in that it's just sort of a, a noir meets melodrama about a woman who sort of just gets pulled into the underworld accidentally and tries to pull herself sort of back up. And um, it has a really early performance from Robert Alda. Um, I think Robert Alda is Alan Alda's oh. d- dad, I want to say. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's Alan Alda's dad. So he's sort of the lead. Um, but it's another one of those noirs that's set in like nightclubs and and the like sleazy sort of side of entertainment. Um, but I particularly like it because Ida Lupino gets to sing. And um the cinematography, I can't remember who, sh- who shot Sidney Hickok, which I can't remember what else he's shot. Sidney Hickok's it's got some of my favorite sort of high key neon because of, because it's set in these nightclubs. And I, I think I want to say Kino maybe put it out on Blu-ray at one point. Okay. Cause I, I feel like I own it, but maybe I might be confusing that with roadhouse, which is also Ida Lupino singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's another one that if, if it's not on Blu-ray, it's probably available on the dark side of the internet. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I can't remember if you, you didn't talk about backfire yet. I don't think, but that's, um, that's one of the ones I haven't seen. That's okay. on the six. But, I haven't seen. Okay. Vincent Sherman directed one of my, uh, low key favorite noir films of all time. The damned don't cry. Oh yeah. That's is, great. Uh, and yeah. Joan Crawford. Yeah. Joan Crawford essentially, sleeping her way to the top of an organized crime. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, a good one. So, so good. And a great title. I saw that at LACMA, uh, years ago. Um, 
Is that it? Was it? Was that all the ones with the? I'm trying to think if there are any other name directors I really wanted to 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 call out, but that might be it. Um, oh, well, another... no, Andre, Andre de Tote has one on here. Crime Wave. Oh yeah, Crime Wave. Okay, so Crime Wave is another one where it's vaguely set at Christmas because you see like a tree on the background. Okay. But um, it has a few things that are just dynamic, amazing. One, Sterling Hayden. It's maybe. Other than the killing, I think my favorite Sterling Hayden, Hayden performance because he's just so angry and so like doesn't put up with anyone's shit. And I, you've probably seen the gif of him like driving a car with like the angriest face. And he's got a toothpick sticking out. Um, that's from this movie. <laughs> okay. It's super iconic. But there's a there's a scene. It's like a little scene you wouldn't notice unless you've seen the movie a few times where he's like, oh, it's very fluidly shot as he's like walking into the police station and um, there's someone taking this, the story from like a couple and they talk about how they were like hitting each other with um, lamps and stuff, but they're like, but we're, we're good now. And it's, it's like a really comic beat of domestic violence. And he, his character just like, is like, I'm so tired of hearing these things, but it's like, it's like this comic moment in this pretty dark, otherwise pretty dark film about something that's also really dark but in that, in the background, and it's just, it's one of those, those moments you're like, yeah, I don't feel like directors think about background things like that anymore when they're making movies, <laughs> you know? So I recommend it, but also again, uh, maybe my second favorite Sterling Hayden okay. performance. Yeah. Uh, well, that, I, um, anything else we, well, we, we did this, we talked about the, all these movies and we never talked about kiss, kiss, bang, bang, which is so like, uh, it's maybe the most self-aware like Christmas yes. noir movie. Like oh, yeah. that, that, that intentional cynical juxtaposition thing is, is uh, not an accident. In, yeah. In that movie. It's, it's obviously it's from, um, I'm for, I've just lost his name. Shane Black. Shane Black, who sets most of his movies at Christmas. Technically you could put, I think it's Iron Man three and um, the first uh, um Lethal Weapon on this list also, except they're not really noir, right. but they are like crime-ish movies set at Christmas. Um, but Kiss Kiss Bang Bang wants to be both. It's like got this joyful Christmas moments and really bleak, you know, yeah. crime. And I, I, it might be my favorite Val Kilmer performance, to be honest, because he's so funny and he gets to be sort of weird Val Kilmer, you know? Yeah, I, I do love weird weird Val Kilmer. I'm trying now. I'm trying to think. I never saw what was the uh, Coppola movie. I never oh, saw oh, it Val Kilmer. Uh, Twixt. Twixt. Yeah, I saw Twixt in 3D at the Castro um, with I think awesome. a Coppola introduction. It was fantastic. I, I did see um, the Twixt Comic Con panel with uh, mm. Coppola and um, and Dan Deacon, um, like doing live. Uh, Dan Deacon was like making music live and yeah. Coppola was like chanting along with it. And we had, I had them up until very, one of my big pandemic projects, me and my wife was cleaning out all of our closets. And so I finally threw away the Edgar Allan Poe masks slash Aww. 3d glasses <laughs> that, that I had that, that, that said twixt. Yeah. Uh, the, on the fun thing about seeing that in theaters, totally not a Christmas movie is um, when it goes 3d, there was like a thing on the, on the actual picture that showed a hand coming down and putting on 3d glasses to tell you to put on the 3d glasses. <laughs> I was like, I love it. I like this. I like this. I love it. Um, uh, I, I could talk about that twixt 
comic-con panel um for <laughs> I, I just it was it's one of my favorite comic-con memories but that's not that's neither here nor there um anything else we're we here, to, to, we're talk here to talk about weird val kilmer performances <laughs> and for my money island of dr moreau oh yes it. yeah where he just starts to incorporate his criticism of his co-stars into his performance. Uh, yeah. He starts just mimicking Marlon Brando. Like it's a, it's a, if, I like that movie more than I think I should. Did you, did you watch the Val documentary? No, I didn't. He, there's a big section about, about that and sort of the issues he, he was having with Frankenheimer and, yeah. and Brando was having Frankenheimer. But at one point they show Brando wasn't even on set and they had some other guy in like latex, Marlon Brando face. And so, and so he looks, Val Kilmer looks straight at the camera and he's like, today Marlon Brando is being played by blah, blah, blah. And it was whatever, like Sammy or whatever the guy's name was. And he does, you know, like a close up on this guy. And he really did, like, if you didn't know it wasn't Marlon Brando, you would have thought it was Marlon Brando. It was back, that, back that set must have been wild. Back then yeah. you could do Brando face and, and no one would care, but <laughs> days, you can't do it. Um, yeah. Uh, all right, so I'm not just for fun. I'm just looking up Val Kilmer performances, but I'm trying to remember. Like, uh, we didn't talk about Spartan. Spartan's a great one. Uh, Top oh, Secret, yeah. of course. And don't let's not forget that he's in True Romance. He's yes. he's Elvis. Yes. Uh, all right, well, this is a great way to end this episode. Just talking about Val Kilmer <laughs> for no reason as, whatsoever. As you should. Well, um, well um, the last one oh, I want to throw out that is Please. just um, vaguely Christmas because it begins on Christmas Eve, but you should watch it if you've never seen it. Is Kiss of Death solely because it is the greatest Richard Widmark performance. He got an Oscar nomination. Wow. He literally throws an old lady in a wheelchair down a set of stairs, just tosses her down. Um, the most vicious you will ever see him. I cannot even believe he got cast as anything but psycho killers after this movie. Um, beautiful, beautiful violence for Christmas. Um, I love it. Highly recommended. It. It's a, there's a really wonderful Blu-ray of it. Um, I want to say Kino put out. Good. Cause it's also not streaming anywhere. Yeah. The Blu-ray is great. It looks fantastic. It's HD old lady getting pushed down the stairs. <laughs> totally the Christmas movie to warm all our hearts. Well, Mariah, thank you for coming and celebrating Christmas with us. Getting us really in the mood for uh, a, bleak, <laughs> a bleak Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Um, in the meantime, you can listen of course, to uh, oh, LCD sound systems. Christmas is bringing me down um, <laughs> while you're watching these movies. <laughs> um, uh, well, thank you for being here. I already said that part. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com, including all our past Christmas episodes, which either the one you were talking about earlier, which we called Blue Christmas, was 2018, three years ago, okay. is when we did that. Uh, last year was Christmas in Britain. Yes. Um, mm. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. So uh, you can find all that at battleshipretension.com. You can email us at david at battleshipretension.com or tyler at battleshipretension.com. Follow me on Twitter at Davey Pretension. And please check out the podcast I do with my wife. It's called The One Where I Met Your Mother, where we watch an episode of Friends and an episode of How I Met Your Mother every week. This most recent episode is season two, episode three, which is uh, uh, the one where in, in Friends is the one where Mr. Heckles dies and they have to clean out his uh, apartment. And then How I Met Your Mother, it's the one where... Uh, Ted's parents come to town and he finds out that they've been spoilers uh, divorced for nine months and have been lying to him. So uh, that was a fun thing to talk about on the one where I met your mother and that you can find that where you find podcasts. Uh, Tyler's on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Tyler, do you have anything else to plug? 
I do not. I'm okay. I'm super busy. It's all it's final season, David. So I'm just yeah. grading papers. Well, your documentary about uh, horror and spirituality and oh, yes. uh, Christianity is still available. Uh, Valley of the Shadow, Valley of the Shadow, uh, on Vimeo. All right, Mariah. Where can people find you on the internet? Where would you like them to find you? What do you have to promote? Um, pretty much anywhere on the internet. Uh, if you look up old film, old films flicker, that should be me. Um, if it's not me, let me know and I'll beat that person up because that <laughs> is my hacker name and it should be everywhere. Um, I am unsure when this is dropping, but probably when this drops, I will have a listicle. Um, I'm not going to say the outlet just in case it hasn't dropped yet. Um, debuting on a new outlet. And I have a listicle um, of underseen Christmas classics, a couple mm-hmm. of which we may have discussed in this uh, very video. And well, I'm then, sure you're stumping uh, for a uh, podcast for holiday. Um, what's the one you're Holly uh, fair. Yeah. Holly fair is on there and I'll be seeing you and remember the night, I think are all on it, but it's a few others. And um, it, just a couple of movies that I just, keep wanting people to watch and as many outlets as I can possibly do that. And then another one is just looking at the way in which filmmakers um, use New Year's Eve as a moment of either romantic or life affirmation in, in movies. Um, Although some of those that I feature in that piece are actually bleak, but kind of hopeful. (laughs) Um, because much like Christmas, New Year's Eve is another time where the sides of the coin are really close together. <laughs> we should do uh, some. Uh, we can see if we can do a New Year's Eve noir move, uh, episode just so we can talk about Strange Days. Yeah, uh, that's a, a, a good Year's one. Noir. <laughs> I have that's not a good one. That movie in a very long. It's a it's, it's a, a good, good movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you. Um, by the way, this episode will be up uh, Monday, December 13th, if that helps. Okay. <laughs> so neither of those pieces will be up yet, okay. but <laughs> they will be coming. Look for them. <laughs> uh, well, thank you again for being here, Ryan. This was a blast. Um, thank you at home for listening. Merry Christmas. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.